Welcome to the Triple Confirmed Podcast, where we discuss Bitcoin price talk, trading ideas, and much, much more. I am your host, The Baked Potato, a five-year crypto analyst and crypto YouTuber. Today's date is October 5th, and this is episode 110. First of all, welcome everybody. Hopefully you're having a great day today on this beautiful Wednesday. We've got a couple things to cover today as we have had uh, potentially having some significant boundary breaks in BTC uh, in the S&P and kind of what we can expect and some significant zones that we need to pay attention to. So with all that being said, as always, we're going to start out by looking at our Bitcoin Ethereum charts in our higher timeframes, starting out here on our four-day. First thing that I notice here is that divergence continues to build up. Our money flows continue to push themselves back in towards the positive into the green, meaning that the momentum overall in the market is continuing to push into the upside. Buy volume is continuing to come in. As we can see, Ethereum is kind of delayed behind Bitcoin here, which is a large part of the reason why I believe that the price action has been somewhat delayed in the Ethereum chart, obviously with the, the merge and everything that's happened with ETH over the last couple of weeks, a lot of people, I think, are just, you know, less certain about the price of Ethereum over something as, as uh, hard as Bitcoin. So, but looking at Bitcoin, you know, we have a pretty clear indicator that we are continuing to try and turn around here. Nothing confirmed yet on our four-day time frame, but because we have the divergence, obviously an early start position, Again, as we've been speaking over the last, I believe, two weeks, you know, is a good idea. Getting yourself prepared and ready for if it does come. Obviously, our dailies are already on our side here. Triple confirmed as of yesterday on Ethereum. And the Bitcoin triple confirmation actually came about a week ago, back here on September 29th. So we are still TC'd. We re-triple confirmed on Bitcoin back here on the 3rd, so two days ago, meaning that we... Uh, re-triple confirmed ourselves back up. And as of today's daily, we are potentially pushing through a level as pointed out by HIMO today. Thank you, HIMO, because I did not see this as I usually use the log scale on our chart. Today would be the first daily close above this trending resistance level that we've seen. And this goes all the way back to November of 2021. So almost exactly one year ago. Very interestingly enough, I don't believe that we're going to see too much crazy price action until after today's close and or until tomorrow. We may see some sort of overnight pullback, just as we did last night. But continuation to the upside in the overall is more than likely the path that we're going to go. As seen on the four-day, again, money flow continuing to build up and to the upside. The bullish divergences are confirmed now on our daily, and we're continuing to round off this bottom. As I stated in the beginning, the biggest problems that I can see going for into the future um, are really going to come down to what the S&P does and how that plays out. Essentially, we could see some sort of short-term resistance level up here at 24 to 25. We may see some sort of rejection at that point, pushing us back into the 22 to $20,000 level. But really, I mean, there's not a ton of resistance other than 22 and 25 over our heads right now. So in the, medi in the immediate term, 22 and 25 are going to be the harder levels to beat. Once we're through those levels, 
there's really nothing until 28 or 30. I believe I have pointed out this fact in the last couple sessions. So stuff to pay attention to. And coming over here to the S&P, as I stated, this is going to be our make or break type of time. We essentially, we have two uh, possibilities coming out from this. And those two possibilities, we'll start with the bullish case here, is that we're looking at a similar formation to what we saw back here in 2015, right here, 2015, 2016, where we had some sort of double bottom bullish divergences stacked up across the board, which we are seeing in the current development. And from that point, we continued to push higher and higher and higher and higher. That sort of thing essentially would push us up towards the 4,000 point level, push through without seeing some sort of major rejection, maybe retesting into 4,000 once or twice before finding support and bouncing from that level. We're on a much more, we're essentially on support right now of a much more important trend support level. Um, it would take a lot of volume and a lot of momentum shifting back to the downside in order to break us down here. Now, there is a possibility that we're looking at something a little bit closer and similar in nature to the 20, uh, 2008 situation where essentially this last move acts as some sort of trap, fake out, pushing us towards the $4,000 level, maybe only 3880 uh, before rejecting and smashing through a very significant support level. This is still a possibility here. Unfortunately, we may need to see one more massive drop or two before getting the last previous, maybe a major divergence up in our macro timeframes, weekly, monthly, what have you. So I'm definitely keeping my eye on that region of between 3880 and 4000. The best, best case scenario here is that we hit it, we have a soft rejection, we find support and we push through it. If we can't push through 4000 and we see this last fake out trap and we start closing below what is uh, 3780, essentially where we're at right now, then the economy is potentially in big trouble, bad things to come ahead. Bitcoin more than likely rejecting around the 25 or lower levels and smashing into the previously stated 10 to $13,000 level. Um, but that's only possible if we see this fractal play out. And again, you can see the similarities here of how it's played out past, how it's playing out now, obviously a little bit more accentuated and everything. But this is how fractals work. They never play out 100% exactly as previous. But those are essentially our two situations here is that we found our bottom here at 3,700. We push through 4,000. We retest it. If we do push through 4,000, it's going to probably top out around 4,150, 4,200, then come back to the $4,000, uh, 4,000 point level, maybe a, a multitude of times before seeing continuation. So I think the rest of October is essentially going to be bullish for us. We will continue pushing up until the end of the month. Come November, that's when we would start to see this turning around, if it is going to, and starting to, if not playing out by December. So this next three months is going to be critical for everything going forward. So the thing we don't want to see is November just, you know, completely turning around 
starting to try and invalidate everything that we've built up in October. So if we're not above 4,000 points by November, you know, the chances of rejecting and coming down are that much higher, unfortunately. Now, but everything being said, we don't often see weekly bullish divergences stacked up in this fashion on the S&P. It's only happened a multitude of times in the past. As we can see, the last prominent one as, we, as, as in which we have now was back here in 2015. The prior one before that, I believe, was back here in 2002, and then potentially here in 2010. So, uh, you know, a handful of times have we seen distinct bullish divergences in this chart on this time frame. So it's not to be taken lightly. Again, the way things are shifting, if the, t if the U.S. 10-year yield and the Dixie continue being rejected, we don't continue forming higher highs here. We start to continue to form lower highs and hopefully lower lows soon to be in the future. Then I see no reason as to why the stock market would not continue rallying for potentially upwards of two years. So yeah, that's what we need to pay attention to. Um, best case scenario for the Dixie and the U.S. 10-year yield here, we move out to our daily time frames. As you can see, the Dixie has triple confirmed back down as of yesterday. That's something strong on our side here for our case. And the U.S. 10-year also triple confirmed down yesterday. Obviously, today we've had a bit of pushback, but overall, the money flow still pointing down. Nothing has seen full-on reversal back to the upside, which of course you know, worst case scenario for the S&P and everything here. I just don't see why it would do such a thing. The more likely uh, scenario here is that we retest back towards the bottom of our rising wedge, meaning that the U.S. 10-year is coming back towards our 382, which is around 3.3%. Um, the Dixie right around the 108 level. If we break market structure, if we retest, lower high, confirmed, breakthrough, continue the next level from that's going to be around 102 obviously this going forward if we can work our way back down if we can work our way back down we're in very good shape to see global economic recovery inflation uh, results that are coming out in the next month may hinder some of this going forward but people are already talking that this may be the last rate hike that the fed does and from there things actually start to turn themselves around and 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 we continue to pick up in this in the stock market. I have I don't have to remind you guys about how I feel with the amount of people that are shorting and have puts open against this whole thing. It just it makes so much more sense in my mind that if this is going to go belly up, meaning that we're going to crash to <laughs> you know, very very excruciating lows that it's going to work all those people out of their positions first. When everyone's on the right side, they have to make it seem like it is the incorrect side first before things actually fall into fruition and happen. Now on that note, uh, I am joined by Pio today again. And as always, man, your presence is uh, thanked for being here. Do you have anything uh, you want to add to what I'm seeing here with the S&P and Dixie and all that jazz? what up bro um yeah i think you're spot on it's um it's great that what we've been looking at in kind of broader strokes is kind of coming to the crunch now um and central banks are certainly you know we're coming towards a time where they have to 
where they will make certain decisions. And um, it's super interesting that the Australian Central Bank actually surprised everyone by going for 0.25 over eight rise um, to save their banks because their banks are complete degens in the property market. And they actually never had any correction in the financial crisis. Um, so they just built a bigger bubble. Um, so the central bank is actually, it's, it's kind of like what's happening in China. They're buying developments to keep banks solvent, literally. Um, so they had to lower interest rates because, you know, we're seeing this in, in the UK now as well, in a much more kind of violently volatile way where give away budget, we're going to borrow to, to um, lower taxes. That means that, yeah, so the, the bank, of England will raise interest rates to the same degree that I'll have an extra 75% to pay on my mortgage next month. So um, that's why I'm saying it's kind of crunch time because like it was interesting um, Commander Whitlow posted that Elliot Trades kind of starting to point out, you know, just conditions here for solving that crisis and lo and behold, plenty of people in this Discord have been pointing out for a while, but what, what precedes that and you know, the kind of crash we'll probably see at some point in the S&P, which you saw in 2008, is it's always property. It's always property. Um, so, yeah, looking at that Australian Central Bank example, you'll see the same cries against the Bank of England, who will probably need to do 1.5%, you know, middle of the range, what they should be doing, um, to give confidence to bondholders you know, of British long-term debt. Um, but they're going to balance that against, like, literally, pikes, you know, and the solvency mm-hmm. of the banking sector. Depending on, in Europe, it's not such an issue in the UK because there were capitalization rules put on the banking sector after the last crisis. But in Australia, yeah, the banks the banks look dodgy this week. So Central Bank had to buy some of their mortgage portfolios and go for a lower of an interest rate rise and what they should have to tackle inflation. So I think we're going to start seeing it's just a matter of when um, and, and if different central banks do do that. Um, and as you mentioned as well, on October the 13th, we have US CPI data coming out for, for August. So discuss that Monday. Um, ominous date now, <laughs> but it really depends on, you know, if these kind of long-term the disinflationary kind of factors, like you look at lumber futures, it's it's back to where it was. You know, look at every chart like that. Whether it'll show up in in this CPI report and give, you know, the likes of the Fed and other central banks, you know, another tick in the box that they can at least low ball rate rises. Right, because at the end of the day, um, you know, if this w- if what we've been seeing continues, it's essentially crippling every other economy, right? Like the Canadian dollar, the, the Aussie dollar, the, the British pound, the Euro, all being driven into the ground. And like, I don't know if these other countries are going to continue to let that stand, you know, just so that the American economy doesn't fall off a cliff, taking everything with it. Super interesting. You mentioned that on the day that OPEC decided to, uh, look, it's a bit of, the data shows they're saying they're going to cut production of oil to bring up the price of it. They're actually kind of cutting projected 
stuff that they promise and actually can't deliver. Um, so the actual molecules, I don't think is going to be much of a difference. But, you know, you can look at OPEC and the petrodollar, uh, of which Joan is much well-versed, but, you know, bro, like they kind of have a right to more dollars for a barrel of oil, given that the dollar is inflated so much. You know, the, the 80 bucks a barrel is not the same 80 bucks it was two years ago, you know? That is fair, but I mean... For the average consumer, a price of barrel of oil was already so far gone, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. as as per dollar price, you know, five years ago. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I see it from both sides. Like why are the oil companies still making record profits, you know, even if they're making less per barrel oh, as far as everything goes? Yeah, I think separating producers... You know, the producers are like, hey, hey, look, um, you're going to put more dollars, you know, the value of a barrel of oil should go up. But it's the middlemen because um, if I had more time, I'd do this. But like I'd like no one's really doing it, projecting the kind of the, the spot market price versus retail price. So you could do that for natural gas, you know, in Europe and, and show this massive divergence. You know, it's a rocket and feather effect like the the market, you know measure goes up 11x what hits people's pockets goes up 11x the market comes down and it takes like you know a year for if ever you know so just padding out that margin hoping that retail plebs don't have trading view and can check you know what natural gas really doing yeah so yeah, you're 100 right in that there's a lot of gouging going on it was actually reported by um there was a really interesting interview done with like shipping executives because the volume fell off a cliff. Like it was really expensive and the volume fell off a cliff and it was literally a quote saying, yeah, nobody really noticed. So we just kept charging like 30 grand a container for six months. (laughs) Well, thank goodness for that. You know, we didn't have those types of people in our society. What, what would they really be getting away with already? Right. Like, yeah. Truly, uh, ground.news is a fantastic site, you know, for looking at this kind of thing. Um, kind of gives you the veracity of the sources. But uh, back to your point, um, and what uh, what number do um, I think numbers still go up from here? I think short term probability number go up. Um, hopefully, all of the disinflationary forces feed into a CPI that's less than eight percent on the thirteenth of October. And allows the Fed to kind of go, eh, we got some space here, more coordinate with other central banks, to your point about relative strength and the dollar killing other currencies. Um, this best case, this is good good case scenario, I guess. Yeah. So we have uh, October, October um, and see how that pushes into the, the midterms. But I think, yeah, look, there's just going to be a major correction in the property market. And that's the biggest asset class class on the planet and that's a lot of debt to wipe out and it's really complex a lot of shady stuff going on so i believe that's what's eventually going to drive the next leg down absolutely absolutely possible i mean that's that's the whole reason why the 2008 crash happened right yeah like same same setup different dates this time it's more pensions and mortgages right because they're invested in all these, like uh, you will own nothing and eat. Uh, you will own nothing and be happy. Eat the bugs. 
you know, $2,500 a month apartments. Right. You can't buy, you only rent them, pay boomer pension. But yeah, people, I think, um, I think keep an eye on the property thing would be great for other people's perspective in different countries because, you know, I think it's sometimes in a wave is like breaking. It's just, it takes up so much of the horizon that you think it's a horizon, not a wave, you know? And it's always in retrospect that things are super obvious that there was going to be like, you know, top, like Elon, SNL. That's what I mean. Like, you know, I think as humans, sometimes disbelief suspends itself when, when things are pretty obvious. It's just going to be a washout. You know, the market, respect the market. Market will at least try and find what true value is. Absolutely. Ooh. So again, we covered some very important stuff today, guys. Um, definitely, definitely be paying attention to what's happening over the next month with the S&P uh, relative, obviously, with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the other cryptocurrencies. And more, you know, hopefully we continue to see the Dixie and the US 10-year finding resistance, turning itself down. I really think today was just more of a washout technique where they essentially scare everyone back into thinking that it's pivoting back up. But as we know, we just TC'd up, or sorry, we TC'd down in our daily timeframes in those charts. It's going to take a lot of momentum to shift that back up. The S&P really didn't react to that, you know, pushing up in those other charts today. Obviously, small reaction, but nothing significant, nothing pivotal. And... We really need to see what happens around the 4,000-point level on the S&P. That's, that's the most clear thing I think that we're going to see over the next three months is what happens in that level. Are we going to get our trap confirmed? By midterms, we're crashing like we've not seen in, you know, since 2020, potentially some sort of deal. But it's not for sure. Nothing's for sure yet. We just need to kind of play it by ear day by day and go from there. And as always, guys, we appreciate you guys for taking the time to listen. And make sure you check out tripleconfirmation.com. If you're new here, you're listening for the first time ever. Uh, we have all the information regarding the trading bot, our team, everything in between. You can check out we have a GitHub as well that has a ton of amazing information on it. Links will be in the descriptions. And with all that said, we hope that you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye.